on May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Conscious Relationships. In this podcast, Eckhart talks to an international audience in Greece. He brings his renowned wisdom to everyday concerns, like how to quiet an overactive mind, what is the best way to set boundaries with friends and family, and how we can use the practice of presence to create conscious relationships. Let's have the first question. Somebody has been chosen. Take your time. One step at a time, there you are. Hi, Eckhart. Eckhart, you said um, very frequently to observe the mind and to, to de detach from the mind and let it go. But sometimes, you know, personally I observe the mind and I see sometimes how it uh, drains my, my own energy. It's like the mind has its own intellig intelligence and it knows my weakness. It sometimes it becomes so aggressive, so demanding. So I, I would appreciate if you tell us how to deal with these kind of situations. So the mind has a momentum of its own, but seems to be the case that you are aware of that. So this is already again in consciousness, because you are aware of what your mind is doing. The question is, are you usually aware after a very noisy mind movement, are you aware in the moment of it happening? Or do you become aware after a certain mind movement has exhausted itself? Are you aware while it happens? Yes. While it happens. While it happens. I'm aware that this is not me. Right. But it's so demanding. Yes. You know, sometimes I cannot control it. Right. And does that become sometimes speech when you, you are communicating and it, goes, it, it uses your voice and then you speak to people so your mind mm -hmm. then makes you say, speaks through you, right? Yes, and I know it's not me right. when it happens. Right, okay. Well, that's already a big step forward because if you were completely identified with your mind, you wouldn't even know it, you'd be totally it. It is not possible by willpower to stop your mind. It can only be done by heightening your power, your witnessing power, so that the mind loses some of its momentum. It might take time and I would recommend that you start with little things when it's a relatively small event where your mind is speaking through you. 
It may also happen that there's nobody around you, but you are speaking, the mind is speaking to itself. You also experience that. Yes. And that can be also quite a very extremely dramatic things happen in people's minds without anything dramatic happening externally. But you know that this is happening. Ask yourself if you have a choice. Do I have a choice? And let's find out if I have a choice. Ask yourself, am I able to take attention away from the mind? Because the mind is, as you know, is very cunning. Mm -hmm. It's and tricky. It will come up with all kinds of reasons why it is not a good idea to step out of the mind now. You really need to think about this. This is a real problem. Although it's four o'clock in the morning, <laughs> you, you, need, you need to think about a bit more about this. It is vitally important. You're in the grip. But if there's some awareness there, then you can see whatever reason the mind gives you is just a way to stay in control. And, and then you say, okay, let me try if I can just I see it is futile from the level of awareness. You can see it's futile. Am I able to take one conscious breath right now when this happens? First, you have to see the futility of it. It's that it ultimately serves no purpose except to strengthen the egoic self. Am I able to take one conscious breath in between all this mind activity? Find out. And I believe you can. One conscious breath means you breathe in, and while you breathe in, you observe the inflow of air into the body. Then there's a stop. Then you observe the outflow of air out of the body. And then there's a stop. That is a huge success. You were able to take, in the midst of all this mind stream, you were able to take one conscious breath. That's a big win. And if you were able to take one conscious breath, which, by the way, to connect with what I've been talking about just now, immediately one conscious breath brings about a small gap in the mind stream and brings about a deepening. You go, the breath gives you access to this inner space. So you go down into and then you come out again and then the mind may immediately start up again or you may find that if I can take one conscious breath perhaps I can take another one you have to experiment regard yourself your psychological experiment regard yourself as you're conducting psychological experiments with yourself so after the one conscious breath, say, perhaps I can take one more. Yes. And then you, you might feel at the back of your mind a certain push. Of course, the mind wants to come back in. Find push. You keep it out by a high degree of alertness so that I, I had to use the analogy, I, perhaps in the power of now or somewhere, a cat watching a mouse hole. If you've ever watched a cat watching a mouse hole, that gives you a, a good illustration. 
of what an alert state of consciousness is. A cat watching a mouse hole looks like for a long time. Now, I, I gave the example in the book somewhere. This is not to be done when you're immersed in a very violent mind stream, but at normal times, you can try this, you can try it now, this little experiment that goes like this, I wrote about it. I wonder what my next thought is going to be. I wonder what, what the, the next thought is going to be. And then you're very alert, watching for the next thought. And if you're really alert, really alert, like the cat, if you're really alert, the next thought does not come because the alertness keeps it at bay. And that's when you find this power in you, this power of alertness, which is an actual power, it's the power of consciousness itself, then you have something that is far more powerful than the mind but they are not ultimately in opposition. The mind is a bit like a turbulence on the surface of the water. And the depths of who you are is the depths of the ocean or the lake. And where in the depths it's still, the turbulence is only on the surface. So they're not separate. Your mind is not separate from consciousness. Your mind is a manifestation of consciousness, but a surface manifestation of consciousness. And so when you have access to this power that I just illustrated and you find in your own experience a little experiment, what's my next thought going to be? How I wonder. Let's wait for it. Hasn't arrived yet. Still no thought. There's not just an absence while you're not thinking. It's not just an absence. There is a powerful presence there, and that is the light of consciousness. And only the light of consciousness is more powerful than the surface turbulence of your mind. So find in yourself, develop this, the inner muscle, so to speak, of presence, of alert presence, do it when your mind is relatively calm and find the presence by doing what's my next thought going to be, do some conscious breathing, feel the inner aliveness in the body, or just be, just be still. When you, when that, that's a huge discovery and a huge advance if you can just be still by wanting to be still. And you just say, okay, I'll be still now. This is kind of graduate work, uh, PhD in stillness, <laughs> where you can simply step into alert stillness because that's what you want. You want alert stillness and you go into, then you have really graduated and you, you are close to being a master. The only difference being a master and you, spiritual master and you, is that the master is able to step out of the stream of mind and be the presence. That's all. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere.
This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. There are many spiritual teachers, and there have been many spiritual teachers who were not particularly educated, and especially teachers who lived in the distant past. Jesus or the Buddha almost certainly had less knowledge than any one of you because there wasn't as much knowledge around, but it didn't matter because it's not, it's not to do with knowledge, to do with the, the power of presence, of consciousness. So when you get a, an actual sense of what that this power is, then it can be there even at times when the mind becomes turbulent. But you have to not be hypnotized or seduced by something that the mind is telling you and giving you some reason why this is not the time to do it. This is not the time to be present. I need to think, I need to think, I need to think. My life is going to fall apart if I don't think. Or they say some, there may be emotion behind it. Emotional thinking has an enormous power behind it. It might be emotions connected with certain other human beings. And so you have, you get not only thinking, you get think, thinking that is being amplified by a huge burst of emotion, emotional thinking. And emotional thinking can be ex extremely unconscious. When emotion rises up into your mind and affects your thinking, also your ability to think rationally decreases enormously. And you can think all kinds of very dysfunctional thoughts based on certain emotions. So it's, a, it's a wonderful. The purpose of the rest of your life is this. Whatever else you do is secondary, whether you do your business or whatever you do, or whether you make a lot of money or not. It's all secondary. The purpose of the rest of your life is this, what I've just described. Thank you very much. Thank you. Take your time. We are not in a hurry. One step at a time. Thank you, Akkad. Thank you. For your power of now, it has played a vital role in my life, and it has taught me to hurry slowly. Right. <laughs> All right. I just want your suggestion regarding how you would handle if a close member of the family and you don't see eye to eye. For example, you want to get to the airport together. You would like to start early, drive slowly, and arrive safely. Whereas your partner, laid back, 
always late, rushes, and then drives fast, not sure will reach. How do you manage? <laughs> I think quite a few people have a similar problem to... That's it. <laughs> yes, it is a dilemma. <laughs> have you had a conversation, not while this is happening, but at another time, have you had a conversation with your partner about this? Not really. I mean, in the sense that there is a conflict between, you know, you're trying to become more aware, more cool, the other person is not really at that level as you are. Yes. How do you manage? Not easy. <laughs> That's why I asked this question. Let's not fool ourselves. No, your partner is not here, right? I'm not talking about my partner. I said a person close oh. in my okay. circle. Okay, good. So... If, let's assume you live with somebody, to generalize that a little bit more, uh, there are certain ways in which this p person does things that seem to, to, to be the opposite of how you do things, and then you become anxious and frustrated with that person. And let's also assume that this person is not conscious enough so that you can have a conversation with this person about changing his or her behavior. So then you need to look at the totality of your relationship and the totality of your relationship, which let's assume it's a loving relationship where there is a lot of perhaps feeling of love still there. And let's assume, I'm not going to want to ask you too many detailed questions. So you have to see this, these various incidents that repeat themselves within the context of the totality of the relationship. Assuming that the totality relationship is still a relatively uh, a desirable one, then it is up to you to accept this person as he or she is so that you can, can find inner peace in the midst of all this so that this person does not become a source of continuous or repeated frustration for you because that would cause you to become unconscious again and again. So you realize that what really matters at any given moment or, or rather in the present moment, it's not so much whatever is going on in the situation around you that is always secondary. It's easy to forget that. Whatever is happening externally in your life is always secondary. Most people forget that. What is primary is your state of consciousness with which you meet what is happening around you. That is primary. What's happening is secondary. Also, when you realize that that is primary, then your state of consciousness will become to a large degree or completely independent of external conditions. It will no longer be at the mercy of external conditions, at the mercy of what somebody is doing or not doing. 
And that's an enormous amount of freedom you can experience. When you feel the power in you of dwelling in that state of consciousness that is no longer determined, controlled by somebody else's behavior in, in a reactive way. Therefore, whatever happens externally, let's, you, you mentioned air, going to the airport and so on, missing the plane would be a price worth paying for being totally dependent on somebody else's behavior. A very small price to pay. And you may find that until now, your inner resistance that was there, perhaps came out through something you said, but also in your energy field, actually contributed to perpetuating this person's behavior in some strange, unconscious way. That person, motivated by certain unconscious forces, was actually strengthened in their unconsciousness by your reactivity. And it's often that you find when you accept, when you come to a complete acceptance, not only do you become free internally of external conditions, miraculously, you may also find that suddenly or gradually the other person's behavior changes. And that's almost like a little miracle. It is not uncommon. Many people have reported that when they start practicing. So that's your work, very different from what it was before when you asked the question. You see now what you have to do. Thank you. Hello. Hello. I think my question will be interesting for most of the people who are here. And um, it's very simple, though. We have all our family members and uh, friends, people who we care about, and just random people as well. And um, sometimes observing them, you can see they suffer a lot because of total unpresence. If they were more conscious, they might be happier. Yes. So <coughs> the question is, shall we give them idea or just watch them? How to check when they're ready to change? Yes, so uh, the question is, do you, you mean, do you talk to them and try to explain something? Yes, the question is, shall we start or just watch no. till they ask right. for help? Right, right, okay. <laughs> yes, I think it's a very helpful question that many people will have a similar situation. Uh, if you talk to somebody before they have reached a point of readiness, what you say will not be received. Jesus had a somewhat, if he said it, you never know, but it's in the in the gospel, a somewhat brutal way of putting it, casting pearls, and there won't. <laughs> if he said it, we don't not can't be sure. Your presence there could have some effect, but it may not be immediately observable. If there's one person who is present, it can if there is if there's a latent readiness in anyone in this in in your environment, then your presence could act as an awakener. It is possible that 
and this is I speak from my own experience, it's possible that in an in an ordinary conversation that you have with someone, somebody says something or asks you something, and your answer has a, a little bit element of something spiritual or consciousness in it, and then that person will suddenly go, oh. But the most important thing is, first of all, the, the power comes with acceptance. The foundation is you accept these people as they are, although it would be nice if they d didn't produce their self-made suffering. It w of course, you know it, that would be very nice, but that's not happening at the moment. So at the moment, you practice acceptance. You accept them for who they are, and you accept that they act according to their level of consciousness. Nobody can act beyond their level of consciousness. So to expect somebody to act beyond their level of consciousness is futile. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. At some point, I realized that, with reference to my parents, when I went through a shift in consciousness, I realized that I, towards my father, although there was love, I also had resentment towards my father. And uh, the resentment was partly to do with the fact that he left us, my mother and me, when I was about... 11 or so, he just went off to another country with another woman, and my mother was virtually destitute. She, she was a traditional, at the time, traditional housewife, not trained for any kind of job, and we had no idea where money would come from for food or anything. Even the social services at the time were not fully developed, they're not like now. So there was an enormous crisis, and he just, he left. <laughs> and there was some resentment. I didn't hate him for it as a child. I still loved him, but when I later thought about it, there was resentment. And so whenever I saw him, I could feel resentment. And my mother, she was also, there was love also, but on top of that, there was, she was very irritating. So, <laughs> so I was almost continuously irritated by her whenever I was... <laughs> and uh, when I went through this shift in consciousness, things changed when I was 29. 
course, I was no longer had left home long ago. I left home when I was 18, and it was one of the happiest moments of my life. <laughs> I remember it forever. See. <laughs> But then I suddenly realized after the shift in consciousness, and also there was this continuous, while my parents were still together, there were continuous conflicts, just dreadful, like living in some kind of madhouse. But I realized suddenly they had no choice. There was not enough consciousness in them to act differently. Their state of consciousness manifested externally in their behavior. My father could not stop his anger, he, that he would always burst into... He, of course, my mother irritated him even more than she irritated me. And so his anger was like bombs exploding in the house every other day. They would go to a huge outburst of shouting and banging tables. And, oh, oh, this is... Uh, I learned a lot about the ego and without knowing that it was the ego. But no, he could not help it. He had, didn't, there wasn't enough consciousness to have a choice. Because to have a choice, you need some, a certain amount of consciousness. And, and this was quite normal, especially at that time. I don't know anybody who, at that time who had conscious parents. <laughs> they were all unconscious. There might have been some, but I didn't meet them. And then at 29, what is in conventional terms they would call forgiveness, but it wasn't forgiveness because I suddenly realized there was absolutely nothing to forgive. And of course that's true forgiveness. True forgiveness is the realization that there's nothing to forgive because you realize they act according to their level of consciousness. And then suddenly there was no more resentment with my father and whenever I saw him, either I visited him or he came to visit me occasionally, it was fine. He still had a huge ego. Oh, that was okay, I accepted that that's how it is. But little changes happened in him when I was able to completely accept him. Certain areas emerged in his life where he behaved very consciously almost like a spiritual master. And then other areas remained where he was still totally ego-dominated. Consciously, for example, when he had to wait for something, the ego says, I can wait for hours, I don't mind. I'll just be here, I'll just sit here and I'll wait. So that was amazing. And then he had occasionally some statements came out of him that seemed oh, there's a consciousness emerging. He had various ailments, like most elderly people have, including myself, things in the body that don't go as they should, but he would never see a doctor. I have inherited that, by the way. <laughs> the, uh, and he would always say, I live in peaceful coexistence with my illnesses. That was quite a profound statement. But in other areas, he was still totally unconscious. But I accepted him totally for the way it was. I believe that my acceptance had something to do with his partial awakening. And my mother, she didn't irritate me anymore. I only saw her, of course, when I visited her or she came to visit me once a year. 
She didn't irritate me anymore. However, I did reduce the amount of time that I would, the number of days that I would spend with her because her mind was so active, she would speak continuously, talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. Uh, a wonderful acceptance practice. That's how she is. And occasionally, she had some very occasionally breakthroughs into brief realizations, and that was wonderful, wonderful to see. So acceptance is vital. There may be a time, rather than giving some abstract explanation, that you could, you don't have to live in this way, you don't have to. You can live more consciously, all this probably doesn't work. But some very simple things may work if the moment is right, and only you can tell whether the moment is right. Even a simple thing like, can you feel the energy in your right hand? Do you want to try a game? Can you feel the energy in your right hand? And say, what do you mean, right hand? Yeah, if you close your eyes, hold your hand like this, and is there any way you can know if your hand is still there even without looking at it or even and touching anything? This is a little game that will direct their attention into, into their hand. And without them knowing it, what they have done is they have taken attention away from thinking and put it in here. And then you can, can you feel your left hand? How does it feel? And then you can say, I do that every night and it feels so good. Maybe you could want to do it too, you might like it. And then you can even go from there, but can you feel your feet? Or what, even if you just stay with your hand, this is one way of taking attention away from incessant thinking and bring a little bit of presence. Breathing, do something with breaths, perhaps you can have a little, if the moment is right. But if not, your acceptance is vital. Accept each human as they are. It is not uncommon for humans to, to change when they are accepted fully. When one person accepts them fully, very often change happens. And you no longer expect it, because if you expect change, there's not complete acceptance. Complete acceptance. So you observe how they create their own suffering, and you just see it, and you don't, wow. You become the witnessing presence, the witnessing presence that has not yet arisen in them. But if it's there in their immediate environment, that can be almost a substitute for their witnessing presence that arises within them. And that's the power that emanates from a human being who is present. A certain power emanates from you. So don't underestimate the power of acceptance. And then it, it may happen that at some point, in some conversation, it may just arise that you say something that is that they are ready to listen to in that moment. I've had quite a few people telling me that they found the power of now on New Earth, and, and they said, oh, it changed my life. I must give that to my 
uncle, my brother, my whoever it is, and they bought a copy and said for Christmas or birthday, say, this book changed my life, you must read it, it'll change yours too. And so they got the book and then the next day or next week, did you, have you looked at that, have you started reading that book that's going to change your life? <laughs> and they said, I read one page, I couldn't get beyond it, it doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. <laughs> Why do you give me books like that? <laughs> and it has also happened, as more than one person have told me, that they were given this book, and this, is, this was their reaction, and the book was put on a shelf, and several years passed. And in the interval of these years, these people who had received the book but didn't understand a word, went through further life experiences involving, I suspect, further suffering. So they went through more suffering and then they had reached a point where the suffering had made them ready to hear the message. And then they tell me, several people have told me, I had your book on my shelf for years. <laughs> I could, at first it made no sense at all. And then I picked it up again and suddenly it made complete sense. And it changed my life. So there needs to be the readiness. If you give them one of these books for Christmas, this may happen, but hopefully they won't throw it away Hopefully they'll put it on a shelf somewhere, and one day they may be ready for it. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. What does not work is wanting to change people. Even if your intentions are good, often it has the opposite effect. As you know, the famous proverb, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. So... That's your practice. It, we'll see how it goes, but remember, acceptance comes first. Everything else arises out of that. But if you want to have this little trick about feeling the hand or something to do with breathing, that might work for some people without any other explanation. You don't have to say, if you feel your hand, this will take attention away from your thinking mind and it will gradually free you of your ego. Don't go there. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Let's have one more and then we'll have a little meditation. Hello. Hello. First, I just want to thank you for the contribution that you've made to my life, Eckhart. Thank you. And I know to many lives. And I love the subject that we're on, relationships. I really feel that that's where there's a lot of healing opportunities, like you 
have spoken about. And the one piece I need help with along those lines is setting healthy boundaries in relationships and staying in uh, a state of consciousness when somebody is projecting their pain onto me. I have been able to do, this is in my biological family. Yes. And I'd like to hear you share about that because the boundary that I've set has been very strong in in so many words. That type of treatment towards me is not acceptable. Okay. And I don't want to have contact if you're going to continue to treat me that way. Right. So I'd love to hear you share. Right. So the, the behavior of those people it was not just mostly t- talking to you about their drama or unhappiness or suffering. It was actually aggressively directed towards you. Yes. Right. And uh, more than one person. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I hold it as a healing opportunity. Right. You know, so that that that's the piece to give you more. Yes, of course, it's... (laughs) This may help many people in this room. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, Yes. At the moment, it kind of focuses on that. Yes. Yeah. Well, one, of course, is in some cases, when when you say boundaries, do you mean that you refuse to have contact with these people anymore, or you reduce the amount of contact you have? Well, I had been reducing the contact. It just kind of was organic. And then what happened was there was a conversation on the phone and there was, oh, you think you're so much better than everybody else, hang up on you. And then the next week, oh, I have a favor, you know? And it, it, was, it just had me feeling like, well, this doesn't feel good anymore. And this has been a pattern in my family. Right. So. I think I just got to the place where I was like, I don't want this anymore. Right, right. And, um, right. Well, with certain types of uh, aggression, then to uh, place boundaries and reduce the amount of time you spend with these people or no longer engage in extreme cases that might be extreme, that may be necessary. But another thing to uh, try out and consider is uh, the way in which you converse with these people. If you are able to perhaps avoid certain subjects or don't contradict them, let them say what they want to say without stating your mental position, which is your viewpoint, your perspective, how you see things, I call that mental positions. A mental position is a thought form that you identify with. The moment you identify with a thought form, which becomes your opinion, which or which if many people regard their opinion as the absolute truth, and anybody who argues with that opinion is not truthful, doesn't know the truth, <laughs> they confuse opinion with objective truth, if you are able to 
become aware of your own mental positions yes. and realize that a mental position that you identify with is a substitute for a true and deeper sense of self. And when the mental position is attacked by somebody, when this happens and it has become a substitute for a deeper sense of self, then you feel it, you are being attacked. And they are basically attacking you by attacking your mental position. You feel you are being attacked and they will also confuse your mental position with who you are. And so you become their enemy because they are deeply identified with their mental position. It's possible on the one hand to have a conversation with somebody and put forward your viewpoints without identifying with your mental positions, in which case you simply state, this is how I see it. Then the other person will say how they see it. They might be attacking your position, but if you have not identified with it, there's nobody there that they can attack. It's also possible to avoid certain subjects because it makes no difference whether or not you state your viewpoint in that situation. It does not make a difference to the world. It does not make a difference to the political situation whether or not you state your point of view in that situation. If you had been called to testify in front of Congress or something, then perhaps you would have to state your point of view. But you are at a family barbecue or whatever, <laughs> and what your point of view is is ultimately irrelevant. If you uphold your point of view, it only serves to uphold your sense of your separate self, your egoic self, as opposed to the, it strengthens the other person's ego and it strengthens yours. So one way is to simply not talk about certain things and allow people to say whatever they want to say. Nothing is going to change by the whatever they say will make no difference to anybody. <laughs> it's it's uh, sometimes hard to remember that. They can say anything, what difference does it make? It goes up into the air and then it dissipates. <laughs> and so you don't you don't need to oppose it and you don't need to assert your your existence by opposing it because you're already fully yourself without needing to state your mental positions. They are not who you are. Yes, the mistake I made was when they, she asked me my opinion. Oh. <laughs> and maybe I should have known, you know, because I know how yes. uh, emotional yes. um, they get about that subject. Yes. So when they asked yes. my opinion, I, I did not... <laughs> probably stay in my awareness enough yes. to know, oh, do not answer that question. <laughs> yes, that's probably a correct interpretation of that event, yes. <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank you. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Eckhart Tolle, Essential Teachings, the podcast. You can follow these essential teachings on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet, go to Spotify and follow this podcast. Join us next week for more enlightened teachings from Eckhart Tolle. Thank you for listening.
Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers.